End to end is back on a Saturday morning once again. We're back to our usual schedule. Me and Joe are here to bring you episode 11 of season 3. And we got some news to talk about. We got some trade targets to talk about because the trade deadline is about two weeks away roughly. And we're going to name top five trade targets this week. So the five guys on trade bait for TSN and then five guys next week. So hopefully nothing happens. But uh, what's going on, Joe? I know there's been a lot of news lately. So why don't you just start us off? Yeah, so obviously the biggest news this past week happened early in the week. And it was a hot mic incident involving a longtime NHL referee Tim Peel during the Nashville and Detroit Red Wings game. And what happened was, I'm sure a lot of people know about this because it absolutely blew up when it happened, is uh, basically, uh, I don't want to say exactly what happened, like the quote, but what happened was he gave like a, a bad penalty, like it wasn't a penalty to Nashville. And like as soon as like, I think it was from the Nashville broadcast, they were going to like to commercial break, you hear a hot mic of him basically saying like, I wanted to give that penalty to Nashville, which is bad on the league like this guy just basically said like he ruined the integrity of like the game and like most importantly which we'll get into gambling which is huge yeah. like th that's really the a big reason why because if you have refs saying that like hmm. we'll get into a huge conversation about this like right now about the integrity and like different sides of it but like if you have refs getting caught basically saying that out loud like it ruins a lot of the integrity of the game yeah and it also ruins the reputation of your league i know we i know we all know it's in there like makeup calls and stuff like that but now that it's actually like maybe confirmed in a way i guess that's really like bad for the league and obviously he was i guess quote-unquote fired from the international hockey league even though he was retiring at the end of the year but not a good way to go out in your refing career especially doing that in a game so and then a few days later, I saw in the Leaf game that one of the refs were covering up their mics so they didn't hear what they were saying. I don't know how that works, but that's, again, not great for the NHL again. But do you think they were right or wrong for letting him go? Or I don't know, like, what's your thought on that? Okay, so I think, like, it was right. I don't know if it was right to f completely fire the guy. Um, like, apparently he was going to retire in a month anyways. I don't know how true that is. Cause it's kind mm -hmm. of like really convenient <laughs> right when it came out it's like oh yeah man tim peel is gonna retire from the nhl because he did like 1400 1500 games which again is a lot so he could have easily retired he's a veteran ref but like they could have suspended him for the rest of the year they didn't have to like flat out fire him <laughs> um i thought that was a bit extreme but like again like it comes back to like the integrity of the game and like how much like it blew up online and like it made the league look so bad. So they kind of had to do like a, a, they had like a big reaction to it. Again, they did do something about it, which they should have, because that's just outrageous. And it's mm -hmm. stuff like, that we've been saying about like all year, like how bad the officiating has been. It's like, we all know that makeup calls are part of the game, but the ref like literally saying that, like basically yeah. like proves a lot of our points about how bad they are at times. So like, the firing's a bit extreme, but, like, he should have been suspended, I guess, for the rest of the year. But if he was going to retire anyways, um, it kind of sucks, but it's a, it's a shitty way to go out. But, it is, yeah. like, he got caught. Like, that's what it is. He he They wear the mics, the, the reps, so you have to just watch what you got to say sometimes. Yeah, and this is definitely not the first time this has happened. Obviously, it's no. the first time it's been caught on mic, but this has definitely been said and happened during games, so... I mean, I think Matt Duchesne said something like, yeah, like he actually said that. And 
uh, I forgot. I think John Hines was like, "What? Like, what? What is it? What is he saying that for?" And then, yeah, it obviously got caught on mic. But if this happens to Wes McCauley, he is not getting fired from the National Hockey League. He's probably getting suspended, like you said. And if he wasn't retiring at the end of the year, it's probably a suspension for the rest of the year, I'd assume. And then he comes back next year to ref. So, but yeah, you're right. Like it ruins the integrity, the betting, and all that stuff that plays into the game now because it's such a major factor in the game right now. So, I mean. Just a really tough scenario and just a really like that the NHL just looks really bad right now. But this happens in a lot of leagues. I mean, this is probably one of the best leagues officiating. And because there's other leagues like the NBA and the NFL who get calls horribly wrong every time. We saw like seven in the Super Bowl that were horribly wrong. So yep. this league looks like angels compared to the other leagues. So but it's had its rough times this year for sure. Obviously, the one against the Habs, like that's still mind-boggling. It took away what a point or two points? A one point, a guaranteed win. It basically cost Claude Julian his job. Yeah, exactly that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not. Yeah, that's not great. So they obviously probably did the, like you said, maybe extreme, but they probably did the right kind of thing and actually putting like uh, putting their money where their mouth is, I guess, because they've. Missed a lot of calls. They have had some bad calls this year, so I guess they kind of did right there. But, yeah, it's just a unfortunate incident, obviously, for Tim Peel and the league. But, yeah, any other thoughts on this? Like yeah, where this is going to go for the league? So I have a, a few more thoughts. So, like, there's a lot of ex-players that were really outspoken about basically saying, like, how it always happens, like how you said, like, this stuff always happens. The refs always say this is just not caught on, on mics. Or, like, they always think this, but they don't flat out say it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, even like say like if you're say like a lot of ex players were like basically saying like how they played if there was a bad call they basically go up to the ref and say like oh you owe us a call and then they'll get it like mm-hmm. if it's in a regular season or a playoff game playoffs the whistles are usually put away unless it's something <laughs> egregious yeah which I which I like because that that's how it should be like the games all are like lots of money on the line like gambling for playoff games and just in general obviously for the teams. So you don't want to be giving a million power plays to sway a result in a playoff game. But the I think the biggest thing is like just follow the rule book. Yeah. Like you don't need all these BS makeup calls. Like I agree it happens. Even when we played like minor hockey, we obviously didn't go anywhere. But like stuff like that happens if there's a bad call. And then sometimes like the will they'll the will get a gift call to make up for it. At least that's what happened sometimes when I played. But like it's just stuff like that. Like, just call the rules how they're supposed to be called. Like, if you miss a blatant, like, cross-check to the back of the boarding or whatever. Like, there's been so many missed calls against Montreal specifically. Like, a boarding. I, I remember Calgary yeah. against Suzuki was not called at all. Like, just call those. You have to make those calls. You don't need to make up a call if it's, like, yeah. some BS, like, interference later. Just call the calls that are <laughs> penalties so then guys don't get hurt like right. it's not that hard to do i don't know what like some of the thought process is but like just call the the calls how they're supposed to be in the rule book like that's all that's all everyone wants because no yeah. one knows what a penalty is what isn't a penalty especially when it comes to like goaltender interference specifically so yeah unfortunately it's obviously joe this is not a surprise it's never gonna end this stuff no. so so yeah, we we'll, we'll keep tabs on that all year because it seems to be something that happens every game usually in the National Hockey League. But something that doesn't happen in the National Hockey League this year, um, in Canada, this is the first COVID case, and it was involving your team, the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, mm-hmm. 
just give up some thought about that. I know the games were suspended all week for the Habs. They return on March 28th. Yeah, so they were supposed to play the Edmonton Oilers on Monday, March 22nd. Then at, I think, like 2 or 3 o'clock, there was news that broke that Yasperi Kakanyemi and Joel Armia entered COVID protocol. So then around, so no one knew if the game was going to get played. Then eventually at like 6 or 6.30, the NHL canceled it. And they, they canceled the game for that night. And it was, they were, those two guys were placed on the COVID protocol list. And, uh, and then on Tuesday or Wednesday morning, there were, people were wondering if they were going to play that Wednesday night. And then they just, the NHL shut them down for the rest of the week. They were supposed to play Edmonton three times this past week and then Ottawa tomorrow. Um, so that's also canceled tomorrow. So now the big question is like, who actually had it? Because it's believed that one of the players caught the, the variance which is more contagious, but I think less serious. I'm not sure what the difference is, but so those guys are out. So Montreal's been off for a week, which is, I don't know how I feel about that. Like <laughs> it could be a blessing in disguise, but not really because now they have to potentially play like four games in like six nights or four games in five nights, which is absurd. So I don't really like that. It, it, it it is kind of convenient because Toffoli was supposed to miss this week, so he's going to be rested. And like, if any other guys were banged up, they can get a week off to kind of recover. So that's the only good part. But they're not skating, so that's also not a good thing either. Their conditioning's going down. As a result of this now, so Edmonton's been off as well. They play Toronto tonight. Uh, we'll see what happens there. So that's just it's the first time it happened in Canada. I, it was bound to happen at some point. Like, You can't escape this virus, it seems like no matter even though if you have the the board is closed so it's only a matter of time yep uh it's pretty surprising that the nhl and obviously the canadian division has lasted this long but yeah it would probably happen so um another thing happened though in canada the quarantine period for the nhl players coming to canada officially is reduced from 14 days to seven days so that is great news for the trade deadline and speaking of the trade deadline the Habitant did something. Let us know, Joe. Yeah, so it's basically a, a day after this news was announced that the government a- approved uh, the f- quarantine going from 14 days to 7 days, which is awesome, and it honestly should have always been the case for the whole year. Um, the Montreal Canadiens acquired center Eric Stahl from the Buffalo Sabres for a third and fifth round pick in the 2021 draft. And uh, Stahl, who has to now quarantine for 7 days, so he should be available... Uh, by next weekend um, I think this is a solid trade for Montreal obviously not something that's not like a game changer or anything but it was a surprise I didn't think they would go and acquire a center um, I know their centers have struggled this year because they have a lot of youth and inexperience there outside of Deneau. Um but I like this move they didn't give up too much for Stahl I know his values was lower because he obviously plays in the black hole that is the Buffalo Sabres so I'm perfectly fine with giving up a third and a fifth because Montreal has another second, another two third round picks and another two fifth round picks in this year's draft anyway. So at this point, like they basically just got them for free at this point. Like you already yeah, somewhat, have yeah. so you already have so much draft capital, and this draft mm-hmm. is going to be awful anyways, especially <laughs> in the deeper rounds. So like they basically got them for like not much at all, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that like not even Stahl himself is the winner of the trade. I think that Price is the winner of the trade because the third and a fifth is really cheap for a guy like Stahl. 
he's been really good the last couple of years, even though he's been aging. And, you know, obviously, like you said, the black hole, the Sabres kind of derailed his point totals and stuff like that in his play, obviously. But I think he's going to fit nicely with the Habs. The third line could always also play the wing on the top lines. I know Tatar hasn't been great this year, so maybe he plugs in on the first line somehow. I don't know, but I think it's a good, solid depth and, like, movement move in the lineup for the uh, Montreal Canadiens. So, yeah, you should be, like, not, not excited, but, like, you should be, like, somewhat, like, happy about that trade because he's going to bring a lot. And I saw this funny tweet. Let me pull this up. Hold on. The ha Okay, so this is the tweet. The Habs and Leafs are really in a great spot to win the 2012 Stanley Cup. Montreal has Perry, Weber, Stahl, Price. Toronto has Thornton, Spets, and Simmons. <laughs> I thought that was yeah, pretty man. funny. Yeah, they're also uh, Montreal is also building the 2010 Olympic team now. <laughs> yeah, that's too. Stahl, Perry, and Weber. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, Price didn't make it that time. But yeah, no, that, no, you're right. So I, it's a good trade. We got off topic, but it's a good trade for the Montreal Canadiens. Do you see another move coming down the pipeline? I know we talked about them selling off some cap space to maybe bring in a guy or maybe just like settle off the cap space yeah bergevin always caps these days now he's actually <laughs> doing a media availability right now and they're asking him about because literally on wednesday he was made available for media and he's like yeah there's not going to be any trades and then thursday it's like the government approves these quarantine and then a day later he trades for stall yeah. so now yeah they're really up against the cap um, so I think they're going to trade a few guys potentially either Alturi Lekkinen or Joel Armia who are both RFA at the end of the season and like Armia is fine but like they, they potentially have Cole Caulfield now who should sign with the team in the next couple of days because his Wisconsin Badgers got eliminated for the NCAA uh, tournament mm -hmm. which I honestly am happy about because he's coming earlier. I don't care about if they won it, the tournament or not, because he just ripped up college anyways. Right. So that's a, basically another addition to like the top nine, because like he'll probably play on the third line most likely. So if you trade out like Armia at like two point five, Lekkinen's at like two something, just to just to squeeze in Caulfield in, who's probably going to be making like nine hundred k. I guess that's the move they're making. I don't know if they're going to clear cap or like bundle those guys to get another player like. Bergevin's always a guy that makes moves all the time. <laughs> He's not scared to make moves at all. That you can't that something you can't say about him. And most of the time he usually ends up on top of trades. Again, that doesn't really result in the team being like amazing. Because he's won a lot of trades recently. Um, but they haven't been like amazing. So like the team in general. But I mean, right. I could I see another move coming. I don't know what it will be. Yeah, same here. I don't know what I don't know what this guy has up his sleeve now today, yeah, man. Those arms are something. getting jacked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like he's just always in the trademark. He's always in the signing market. So, dude, he must be the be one of the best liars. Not even the best liar, actually. Just one of the best poker faces in the NHL, man. He says, yeah, I'm not going to do a trade. I'm not going to trade PK. Trades him like two days later. All right. So, yep. same thing happened this week, but not as significant as PK Subban out of Montreal. But anyways, that I thought that, that was a good trade for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, not, so now that we can move on to something not so good, we could talk about the team that uh, Stahl was on in the Buffalo Sabres, and wow. I mean, that's the only word you could say about the Buffalo Sabres right now. Wow. They've lost 16 straight games, and I don't know where, like, we <laughs> we talked about it last week. Like, where did this team go, man? Uh, well, they just traded Stahl, so they're easily going to break the record for 18 in a row for losses, and I, I'm convinced they're not going to hit 10 wins this year. 
They have to win four more games in the last <laughs> 25. Like, do you see that happening? I, I would hope, man. Like, I would hope I an don't NHL want franchise. Screw that team. <laughs> yeah, but can they get the first pick? I think so, yeah. They, like, the lottery rules, I think the lottery rules, I don't know. I know they changed. We could talk about that in a future episode, how they changed the lottery system uh, in the off, like when we get to the off season. But I don't know if they applied to this draft or next year's. I could be wrong, though. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the rules there. But anyways, like, even if they do draft first overall, it doesn't matter who they draft. It's a, it just matters how they develop them because it seems to me they can't really develop anyone great. Like Casey Middlestad, man. Had some potential. He's been good in the AHL, but man, he's been in the NHL and he's not doing good. So, I mean, I think we might have talked about it last week, like who they might sell and keep and stuff like that. But like just reiterating the fact like, man, I feel bad for the Sabres fans. Like it's just terrible. Like Going through two rebuilds in one decade, that is not something I would want to sign up for anytime I was a fan. Yeah, but even it's not even the rebuild. It's like they didn't even get off the ground. Like that's the worst part. It's like they were rebuilding. They had these, they, the, the worst part is they have nice pieces there. Mm-hmm. Like that's the worst part about it. Like going into this year, like they had Eichel, Hall, you know, Rasmus Dahlin, Sam Reinhardt. They got Eric Stahl. Uh, they have like Montour and like who they traded a few years for a few years ago, who I thought was a decent trade when they got him. Like they have yeah. some guys there and it's like, they just exploded. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't want to keep talking about this team because it's the same story. So I think next week they play three games. So maybe they hit that 19 straight losses when we come back on to record next week. But another team has been embarrassing is the Philadelphia Flyers all basically season. They haven't really, like you said with the Sabres, they haven't left the ground yet in terms of winning and stuff like that. They've been really inconsistent and like Carter Hartman, I had him pegged for the Vesna, and that looks like a awful pick right now because he's just having a really tough year. Like I, I don't think Carter Hart is the bubble Carter Hart, and I don't think Carter Hart is the Carter Hart we're seeing right now. I think he's somewhere in between, but he's got to pick it up. The whole Flyers team has to pick it up. They have good players, man. They have a good team, and they're sitting sixth in the East Division right now, and they are just getting annihilated by the New York Rangers game in and game out, right? Yep, and there's probably uh, going to be another annihilation today at this rate. Uh, we'll get into our hard hat award winners uh, soon, but mm-hmm. again, they might both be on the New York Rangers just because they've played the Flyers. <laughs> so, yeah, Philly's embarrassing. And they also, they have zero excuses for this. They've had basically no real injuries outside Couturier missing like one week, and that was when they were still doing fine. That was like way early on in the season. Yeah. And they literally have no excuse. And they're getting, like, embarrassed defensively. Like, so many of the goals are, like, breakaways and, like, two-on-ones and, like, missed coverage in the D zone. Like, it's just a joke at this point. And you you have three, basically, head coaches on that coaching staff. Like, and they all can't figure it out. Like, you have Mm -hmm. Alain Vignon, Mike Yo, and Michelle Therrien. Both all were, were NHL head coaches. Yep. And for a long time too and then like these guys like they have no idea what to do like it's like they just get embarrassed game in and game out and they can't get a save to boot so like i don't know what the hell this team's doing like i made the the spicy meatball prediction they were gonna miss the playoffs and it looks like it's gonna happen at this rate <laughs> like easily so <laughs> like the rangers are ahead of them right now and the rangers were like in no man's land like yeah. a few weeks ago so mm-hmm. i don't know what's wrong with philly 
Yeah, and they have some good guys that have have had good seasons. Like Joel Fairby's having a career year. Van Reems like seems to be on pace for a career year, but they just can't figure out as a team right now, and it's very concerning. So, I mean, like it's like the Flyers play like a game every two days, and like I'm just here. Carter Hart is like you need to give him rest, and then he keeps going in the games. Like Brian Elliott goes in the game, lets in four goals, and then they so they have to put a struggling Carter Hart in there, and then he lets in more goals. So. I don't know what to tell you. Like they can never give him a break, I guess. But yeah, we'll we'll definitely talk about the uh, Flyers going into the trade deadline because I don't know what they're gonna do. Maybe they sell, maybe they buy. I don't know what's gonna go on. So, um, I guess talking about trades, I guess we could go into sort of the main part of the episode. Or do you want to talk about Ovi for just a second? Yeah. So we'll do this watch now for the rest of the year that we'll quickly mention because it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so literally, I think two or three weeks ago, this guy had like seven or eight goals on the year, probably three weeks ago. He's now up to 17. He scored two again last night. So he's up to 723 goals, which is only eight behind fifth all time in Marcel Dion, who is in fifth. And that kid at this rate, like he's obviously going to slow down. He has 10 goals in his last 10 games. Yeah. But he'll easily get to fifth at the end of this year. He only needs nine more goals the rest of the year to get to fifth all time. And that just, he just keeps climbing, man. Like, he was, he struggled early after, especially when he came back from the four games off the COVID protocol mm-hmm. uh, list early on in the season. So he has, he's now at 29 points in 29 games. Uh, he still has to get a contract done, take extension with Washington. Uh, he just continues to score, man. It just doesn't stop. Yeah, and he's one of the main reasons the Washington Capitals are on, like, a eight-game winning streak or something like that, so... They've been unbelievable, so yeah, we'll keep tabs on Ovi's. <laughs> he seems to be brought up on our podcast many, many episodes, so yeah, uh, yeah, we'll we'll keep tabs on that. So I guess we could go into the main part, top five trade targets for the trade deadline. Like we said at the top of the episode, the trade deadline is about two weeks from now, so we're kind of targeting players, where they're going to go, where they're going to end up, and we're basing this off of the TSN trade bait list uh, put out by Frank Cervalli. So at number one, we have Matthias Ekholm on the Nashville Predators. He has one more year at, I believe, 3.75. So where do you see Ekholm ending up? We'll pick one team each. And where do you see Matthias Ekholm uh, being used at the uh, trade deadline? Well, now, since we might we probably have the same answer for this, but I think it's going to be the Winnipeg Jets. The reason for that is now, especially with the quarantine uh, reduced from two weeks to one week, uh, I think the Jets, they're one defenseman away, an impact defenseman, which Ekholm is, from being a legit contender, in my opinion. If they were to get an, an extra top four defenseman, they could really make a run to get to the final four because a Canadian team will be represented uh, this year in the Stanley Cup playoffs to, in the conference finals. So I think if they get Ekholm, they'll give the Leafs a real shot uh, of who's going to represent the North Division. So I think he's going to be going to the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, that's a good pick. Um, it's also one of my picks. But another team I think is a dark horse to get him is the Boston Bruins. Their left side is consisting of Grizzlick, Saboral, and Tenorti. Grizzlick's pretty fine, but he's not the, that shutdown guy that they probably need. And Ekholm can definitely fill that need for the Boston Bruins. They have been sneakily good this year, the Boston Bruins. Every year, they you kind of count them out when people are injured and stuff like that, and you see their depth on paper. It's not very great, 
But this team, if they add Ekholm and add a guy on forward, just, again, another Bruins team destined for another run of the Stanley Cup because when you have Pasternak, Marchand, and Bergeron clicking on that first line, you're going to need a supporting cast to kind of help you when they can't score, and that's not very often. But talking about the defense, they need a left-side, uh, left-shot defenseman, and Ekholm could really fit that need. So I think they'd be able to give up some people, even on the roster for that matter, on forward to get him. So... Uh, Matthias Ekholm to Winnipeg is for you and also me, but another team is the Boston Bruins for me. Cool. All right. So the second uh, trade bait list, again, this is from TSN. Trade bait is another defenseman. This one is on the Columbus Blue Jackets. He's a right shot defenseman, and that is David Savard, who is a is a, obviously a defensive-minded defenseman. He's a UFA after the season, but he is making a lot. He is making over four and a half million, I believe, four point eight or four point seven. So if if he were to get dealt, um, Columbus would definitely have to eat some cap because he's not as good as Ekholm for sure. But he is a right shot defensive defenseman, which a lot of uh, playoff teams would love to have. Uh, TB, who do you think he would be going to? Who's your team that he should be targeted by? Yeah, sorry, you cut out for a second, but I kind of heard you. Uh, who do I think he should go to? Yep. Um, I don't know where he could, he should go to, but I can see a few teams kind of picking up on him. But one team maybe that uh, could be destined for not a little bit of a run, but somewhat of a run. It could be the Dallas Stars, maybe. I mean, they have some guys on the right side, but if they're going to need, if they're going to need to protect a goalie like Jake Ottinger, because he seems to be the better goaltender this year for the Dallas Stars, they're going to need a guy like David Savard in their lineup to kind of defend and help keep the puck out of their net. So maybe the Dallas Stars, um, maybe pick another team for me. I'm going to pick the, maybe the Chicago Blackhawks, because they seem to, if they can go on a bit of a run and kind of make this playoffs, they're going to need a shutdown guy like that. So those two teams can be the targets for David Savard. How about you? I'm also going to be staying in the Central Division, and I'm going to pick the Florida Panthers because they one. just they just waived Anton Strawman. Uh, he still has another year left at 5.5, which is pretty brutal to be honest. But um, if they since they they've been really good this year, they're top three in, in the Central Division behind uh, Tampa and uh, Carolina. So I I think they I don't know how much cap space they have. And I know they have a, a bevy of picks and a few prospects they could give up if they had to for David Savard. Or maybe they could even just dump Strom in there to Columbus if Columbus uh, wants to be a seller. Mm-hmm. And they could get even more assets from if they were to kind of trade contracts. Um, so that could be a dark horse acquisition because Florida is doing really well. Obviously, their top pairing of Mackenzie Weaver, Aaron Eckblatter is doing well. You have Keith Yandel there. If you add David Savard to the mix, I think they'll be even better. So I think my team for that one is the Florida Panthers. I that's actually a good pick. I didn't really think about that. But um, next guy, Mikael Granlund seems to be on the trade list for the last couple of years. He actually got traded, I believe, two deadlines ago to the Nashville Predators. He's still there, so he's an interesting target for teams. He can play basically center, left wing, right wing, and yeah, that's pretty expendable, and that's pretty good that he can play all those positions. But who do you see acquiring Mikel Granlin at the deadline? All right, so I have two teams in mind, but I'm going to pick this one because I think they need him more in a sense. Like I feel like he'll fit in more, or it's the type of player they need, and that's the Edmonton Oilers. 
So the reason why I say that is because obviously you have the two superstars, McDavid and Dreisaitl, leading the charge. You have Nugent Hopkins there. Uh, you have Yamamoto, who's been uh, up and down this year. You have Jesse Pugliarvi, who's been pretty decent. But if you want to add to that mix a second slash third line or mostly third line, I feel like Edmonton could acquire Mikel Granlin. They have some prospects in their system that they would give up or even like a second round pick potentially to get him. He is a UFA at the end of this year, so it would probably just be a rental and then they could see if they would want to re-sign him for some depth next year. And if they, if they want to go on a playoff run, you have both. Uh, you have Mike Smith, who's playing unreal this year. He's right now the bona fide starter. You have Nurse, who's playing well. Barry, mm-hmm. Bear, and uh, you know Caleb Jones is there as well. So if you want to add more scoring punch, you know, third liner like Mikel Granlin, I think would help uh, the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, that's a good pick. Um, who is the other team? The Leafs. But yeah, I think the Leafs. the Leafs are going to do a bigger splash, in my opinion. Yeah, same. I could see that. Um, for me, for Mikko Granlin, I could see the Pittsburgh Penguins being all in on that guy. They He can obviously, like I said, play center, left wing, right wing. And this is a guy who can add a lot to the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, forward group because you honestly name the li- uh, list of players on their like the bottom six. And they've I've never like really like heard of these names before. So he could help at center because they're not really depth-wise good at the center position because Malkin is out right now. So they have Jerry McCann playing center on the second line, and I don't think Jerry McCann is a second line center. So um, Adam Miko Grandler could add a lot of depth to this team and it could add a lot of uh, stress scoring to Sidney Crosby, Brian Russ, Jake Gensel, and he's a nifty player, uh, Miko Grandlin. So Burke said he's going to be, or Burke said that Ron Hextall would be a bit not all in, but he would be uh, searching and shopping at the deadline. So if this guy's up in the trade bait list for TSN and on the NHL market, I think that Pittsburgh could be all over this guy. So. That's one team, That's and then obviously pick. maybe the Leafs, but uh, Pittsburgh could pay the price because they, they always seem to be paying the price on some people at the deadline. All right, so number four, and this is the big impact player that could potentially be going to the Leafs, and that is Taylor Hall. So I'll let you go first in this in a realistic trade because the only problem with Hall is that he's at a cap hit of $8 million. So if, you, if any team's acquiring him, it's money in, money out. So yeah. you'd have to assume that... Buffalo would retain half, so four million, but you would still have to trade four million for like teams against the cap. So who do you think that Hall would be going to? Yeah, like honestly, just to, just to start off with Hall, I don't see him coming to the Maple Leafs just because I think we have a guys like him. Like obviously, I won't be mad if he came to the Leafs, but I don't think we need him in a sense. So the teams that do need Taylor Hall is one. I'm gonna name two. One is the New York Islanders. They just lost their captain Anders Lee. And a line of Taylor Hall and Barzell could cause and wreak havoc in that division. So I'm going to pick him to go with the Islanders. They need some scoring. They've always needed some scoring because they're a really defensive team. But replacing uh, Hall or replacing Lee, sorry, replacing Hall, Lee with Hall, Lee with Hall. Yes, Lee with Hall is a good uh, pickup for them. And another dark horse kind of team is the Florida Panthers. They need to relieve scoring off Jonathan yeah. Huberdeau and Alexander Barkov. And for that matter, Patrick Hornquist this year. So mm. um, not a sense going all in for the Panthers, but they haven't won a round since they reached the Stanley Cup final in, I think, 2000-whatever it was. So It was actually they, 96, so even worse. 96, <laughs> even worse, <laughs> before we were born. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, they need to... They need to acquire a guy like this because, like you said, like I said, relieving stress off the big guys, but also just a dynamic forward. I mean, they've never really had yeah. one besides Barkov and Huberto in their lineup, so I think a guy like him would be very good for the Panthers. But who do you see Hall ending up with? 
Um, I should okay. I could say the Leafs again, but I don't know how realistic that would be. Just because, like you said, they have like guys like him already. Again, the Leafs could make a splash. Dubis is willing, and I'm mm-hmm. sure he's made his calls about Hall. Yeah. So I I could say them, but a team that should have been on in on him and a team that Hall should have signed with is the Colorado Avalanche. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, like the Hall is so stupid. He could have easily got a decent contract himself and go to a team that is a legit contender instead of going to Buffalo and wasting a year of his career. And he's going to get less money even more so than last offseason for sure now. Um, so Colorado, again, Buffalo would have to retain because I think uh, Colorado's near the cap. But then you could, like, again, you could trade someone like a Brandon Sod off the team who has been okay, but if you want more of an impact player, then you can get Hall. Or maybe you can trade like a Burakovsky and a pick for Hall potentially just to get some cap off there but man Colorado is amazing they've been mm-hmm. like dominating teams in their division like out shooting by a large margin outscoring out chancing allowing the least amount of shots you know they have a amazing decor um they're like right now they they're primed to win the cup like I think they they might they should get to the finals I think they're better than Vegas to be honest um so I think if I'm Joe Sakic, who's been one of the best GMs in the league the last three, four years, you could probably swing a deal for Hall and uh, keep a lot of the key pieces on your team and prospects like Bowen Byron, for example, in a trade. Yeah, that is a, that would be a hefty move. I don't know if the price is high on Hall, though, because considering they got a third and yeah. fifth for Stahl, I know Stahl's not Hall, but like it's a cheap price for him. But uh, the, he should have signed with the Colorado from the start. Like, I want to yeah. win this bullshit? Come on, man. Bubbles <laughs> like, yeah. in last. What a joke. The guy capped. Yeah, he hard. Um, next player is the final player on the top five list. It is surprisingly Jonathan Bernier of the Detroit Red Wings. And he's putting together a pretty good season for the Red Wings, considering where they are in the standings and how their team is shaping out. But um, do you want to go first and take on where Bernier goes? Yeah, so... I. I have two teams in mind, but I think you're going to say one of the ones that we were kind of talking about before uh, we started recording. So I'll say another one. And that team that would need a backup goalie if they wanted to go on a cup run potentially in case of any injuries is the Colorado Avalanche again. Mm -hmm. So last year in the bubble, they had Grubauer go down and Pavel Francouz, who has been MIA this year. The guy's a piece of glass. He's probably not going to play again the rest of the year or maybe even in the NHL again because he just can't stay healthy. So Bernier, who already played for the Avalanche during the 17-18 season, could return to be the insurance marker for Philip Grubauer if he were to go down. Also, both of these guys are UFA at the end of the season. And obviously, if I'm Colorado, you you have to re-sign Grubauer, of course. But just for insurance, in case he goes down, you have a capable backup goaltender who's been playing out of his mind this year for a terrible Red Wing squad, and he has been for the past couple of years. So he's been one of the most underrated goalies in the NHL the past couple of years. He's a veteran now. He knows his his role. Um, I think it'd be a great ad for Colorado as well. Yeah, and who is your other team that you could possibly see acquiring Bernier? I actually forgot, to be honest. That's why I went with Colorado. Oh, okay. Um, I can see him going to Colorado for sure. Another reunited uh, 
player and team combo because he was there for the 2018 playoffs, I believe. So maybe they kind of know him well, kind of going to acquire him again. But uh, another team in, the, in that division, especially, I can see is the St. Louis Blues because, wow, I mean, Jordan Bennington since signing that contract has not looked good. Um, he's just lost back-to-back games. And uh, Ville Husso, who they seem not to trust, who's having a better season than Jordan Bennington this year, could use Jonathan Bernier as the backup goalie because relief off Jordan Bennington, he's been playing way too much. I don't know why he's been playing way too much. He hasn't been good. So, I mean, clearly they don't trust Husso because he didn't start last night and he should have started from the beginning. But, yeah, Bernier could definitely help help in there, give relief off Jordan Bennington. Not a tandem uh, uh, thing they're going to do, but... He's playing a bad game. Get Bernie in there. Bernie can do the job, but I don't know how they're going to acquire him with the cap space situation they have. It's definitely going to be a rental because obviously Bernie's UFA and he has some money uh, tied up to him. So yeah, the Blues and then someone off the board, the Tampa Bay Lightning we talked about. I don't know how they would do it, but they need to get someone like I know Vashlevsky is their guy 100%. Like he can start every game. No problem. But he goes down, man. They are done with that goaltender position because their team could get them out of the uh, out of that situation. But their goaltending situation with Curtis McLean at the age he is, it's just not cutting it. I mean, he has like one or two wins this year, and he's looked he's looked his age this year. So yeah, Bernie that was the other team. Fit. That was the yeah. other team. I forgot. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that is pretty much it for the top five. We'll probably dive into the top five to ten next week it's not great players in that top five or six to ten sorry but we'll dive in next week so that's been one to five from the tsn trade bait so we can head into our award segment where we hand out the hard hat award and we both picked a player as we said from the start of the episode from the new york rangers because they beat up on the philadelphia flyers majorly this week so you start us off with the guy i think i might have picked him last week or two weeks ago when he had that uh, good old four goal performance or something like that or six point performance sorry in one period but yeah, I think if you're listening, you know what it is. Yeah, and it's this guy again. I had to pick him again because he literally did the same thing in getting another six points versus the Flyers this past week, which is literally Gretzky's the only player that's ever done that. Like, that's <laughs> absurd. Yeah, that, that's absurd. Yeah, so this guy is turned into uh, Matt Sundin plus, like, Daniel Sedin in, like, a week. No, no he's, tur- he's turned into Gretzky. Yeah, he's turned into Gretzky, man. He's a Swedish Gretzky right now with the <laughs> Rangers. So in the past three games played, uh, he has four goals, five assists for nine points, three power play goals. All of them were in the same game. One shorthanded assist and two game-winning goals. So, I mean, I don't know what else to say. The guy in fantasy went from like 215 to like 50 in like a week, basically. So I don't know what else to say about that. Yeah, he's been lights out is the word to say because wow i mean just where he started off the year and where the rangers for that matter start off the year and to the see where they are right now is pretty incredible but i also have another guy from the rangers he's on the defense group it's adam fox and he's been absolutely killing me in fantasy this week because he has three games played likes of but he has one goal and eight assists with nine points in the last week of play that game, the Zabinajad scored six points. He had five points as a defenseman. So yep. pretty impressive stuff. He's had five power play assists and one shorthanded assist. So he's been getting done on the even strength, the power play, and the shorthanded uh, special teams. So also plus six to note for Adam Fox. He's been really great. Um, yeah, man, he just keeps getting better and better. I know we start off the year slow. I know the Rangers start off the year slow, but... 
they seem to be getting it going. So maybe Dan Quinn is not out of there. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know now. Now all of a sudden, ever since he that whole coaching staff went out, they've been like the best team in the league now. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the The New York Rangers players are definitely saving him from being fired right now. So For sure. And this is all without basically Capo Caco and Lafreniere doing anything. It's it's basically like the core of players that were there last year. It's Benajad, Panarin, Kreider. Well, and honestly, and honestly, like Panarin's has like Panarin had one point in that game. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Because I don't they play on separate lines now as a Benajad. Well, I know, but the Panarin. power play. I mean, <laughs> like I know it's been Strom, Strom too has been racking up the points as yeah, well. Yeah, that's true. Yep. We forgot to mention him. He's been taking all Panarin's points. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so we could go on uh, to our Golden Plunger Award for this week. Want to flush that toilet? All right, yeah, that's so, a big flush. Yeah, so this is given to the biggest underperformer of the week. And TV, do you want to start us off? Because you have picked the team and I have picked the player. Yeah, I'll go with the team first. And it's the Calgary Flames. So big fan of the show. Alex Russo loves this team, the Calgary Flames. And uh, to quote, he said that the Calgary Flames, he loves Daryl Sutter hockey. And wow, the Daryl Sutter hockey has turned into a debacle in Calgary. They've won three straight since he was hired. And then I've lost four or three straight since he's been hired as well. So since that uh, last win that he's gotten since hiring. But man, I mean, I don't know what to say about the Calgary Flames because Bradshaw Living didn't go all in this offseason, but he signed guys to make a run for the Stanley Cup, uh, Stanley Cup, obviously, but signing Tanev, getting Markstrom, getting all those depth guys, and people on, on Twitter seem to be like, yeah, just sell the team, and I think that's what they should do, but that's not what they're going to do. They're going to be buying at the deadline, and it's going to be really bad because when this team doesn't go on a run, we're, <laughs> we're in for a good offseason from the Calgary Flames because personally, I think the guy at the helm, Bradshaw Living, is gone. He's done way too much and it hasn't got really anywhere. And the core of the team has to really go. I mean, they've gotten nowhere as well. So this team is just, I don't know what they are. Are they good? Are they bad? Are they in between? Like, what are your thoughts on this like weird team? Uh, I, I'm really happy that they're kind of shitting their pants right now because they've been trailing Montreal uh, all year, basically, for that fourth and final playoff spot. Because at this point, we all know that's going to be Toronto, uh, Winnipeg, and the Oilers for the top three spots. And now that's fourth spot is between Montreal and basically Calgary because Vancouver's had too many games played. But this week, both uh, Vancouver lost both games of regulation and Calgary lost their three games so far in regulation. So that's really helped Montreal who hasn't played. Mm-hmm. So it, it makes me happy because if Montreal basically just plays 500 hockey from, from now to the end of the season, they'll be a guaranteed playoff spot just because of the games played. Yep. And Calgary just not being able to figure it out. They've dropped four they've dropped five of their last six in regulation. They're the last four in a row in regulation right now. So five of their last six have been in regulation, which has killed them. Because this was supposed to be the run they were supposed to go on. Montreal's not playing, you know. Mm-hmm. They played Ottawa twice. They lost they only scored two goals in those games. Then they played the Jets last night and lost to play again versus the Jets tonight. Uh like I said, like they're just a it's, it's all on the players now. Like yeah. I think Trevelling did a decent enough job building a team, a competitive team. Like we had this team in the top three of the North Division going into the season, finishing. Number I two thought it was go- Yeah, I thought they were. I think I had them at two as well, behind the Leafs, and I had Montreal in third. So 
they just really made us wrong there because they've been mm-hmm. very, very disappointing. And it's all I think it's all on the core of those players. Like, you know, they added a goalie in Markstrom who hasn't been great, but they haven't been playing great in front of him. They can't That's really right. play Markstrom too all the time. Then you have like Sean Monaghan who's been terrible this year. Matthew Kachuk has not been the same at mm. all compared to years previous. Goudreau's been solid, but again, not like the 99-point player we saw a few years back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Sam Bennett, he is what he is <laughs> at this point. Not very good. Lindholm was started off well, has slowed down. You know, mm-hmm. they have Dubé, Mangiapane who've been so- decent. Mangiapane's been solid. Yeah. Uh, Backlund's been a little bit slow compared to what his cap hit is at almost six million. He's more of like a Deno player, like a shutdown center at this stage of his career. So they just haven't got the job done. Their defense isn't bad either. You have Giordano, nope. Anderson, Tanev, Falamaki, those Hannafin. Those are like a solid top four, I would say. But they just, I don't know. It's all on the players, in my opinion. Yeah, I just want to quickly mention before we get to your pick, the Calgary <laughs> I can't even say this with a straight face. The Calgary Flames have less goals for than the Ottawa Senators this year. Woo! Like, they've lost That's five terrible. games to the Ottawa Senators this year. And they've beat us. They've, right? Yeah, yes. And they've beat the Leafs. They beat the Montreal Canadiens. Yep, yep. But they've beat this team five times. They took away ten points from you. Like that that's like uh it's like just those teams have your number. It's like Montreal and Vancouver. Like Montreal went six oh and three versus Vancouver this year. Now they don't play yeah. them anymore. <laughs> yeah. To think so. where the Vancouver Canucks were and they're ahead of the Calgary Flames, it's honestly the only word you could use is embarrassing. So Yeah, and this is all without Pedersen being the lineup for the whole yes. like the last month basically he's been out. Yes. So. Yeah, that, that's concerning because when he comes back, oof, if they go on a run. Um we'll get to your pick. It's a player from the I believe the Central Division, or no, West Division. West sorry. Division, yeah. So this one, a player for the St. Louis Blues who I thought was going to have a great year. It lined up perfectly for this guy, and that mm-hmm. is Mike Hoffman. And he has been one of the biggest disappointments and fantasy busts for me this year. No questions asked. He has two points in his last 10 games. He was brought in to be a, a very good scorer for this team. They have great playmakers on the squad. Tarasenko was out. He was brought in. To start the year, you know, he did, he was fine to start, but lately, like, just like the St. Louis Blues, they have been bad recently. They can't score, really, St. Louis. They've been, like, I think they have, like, three or four goals in the last, like, two games, if not less. Like, I'm just going to check quickly right now their last few games. Like, they lost yesterday 4-1 to Anaheim, which is a joke. (laughs) They lost, they got shut out the night before by the Wild. That's one goal in their last two games versus Minnesota and Anaheim. Yep. Um, that is just not good enough. And then uh, their last game, they lost 5-1 to Vegas. So they have three goals in the last three games. Actually, no, two. Two goals in the last three games. That's embarrassing. We were talking about how Bennington needs help because he's been struggling this year with Bernie potentially being the backup. Their offense needs to wake up or they might yep. not even make the playoffs. You have Yo, where are the they Wild. They're fourth. The Wild, Vegas, Colorado are miles ahead of them. You have the Kings who are kind of hanging around there at fifth. Like I think can... the only reason they'll make it is because the teams behind them aren't very good. Yeah, that's the only reason, which is not a good thing because no. you have a team that's built to win now and you can't score. <laughs> I mean, it's a joke right now, that team. So, 
again, Hoffman's part of the problem there. Braden Shen hasn't done much recently. It's basically been Ryan O'Reilly. Tarasenko has been slow since he's come back. I mean, I don't yeah, know what's going on with that though. team. Yeah, and Krug hasn't is slowed down no. as well. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, like it's just been bad all around from this team the last few weeks. Should have put them in the plunger. Never mind. <laughs> just yeah, well, them. yeah, that's true. But yeah, they really have to kind of wake up because obviously I don't think they're as great as that Stanley Cup Finals run. Obviously, uh, minus Petrangelo, obviously. But like, yeah, they got to kind of wake up. They've been slow to say the least in this season. So uh, we can get to the what you say and. Yeah, Jason, we're playing that game again, so let us know once again while we're playing. And it was this week, obviously, that Tim Peel had that incident in the Nashville versus Detroit game. And, uh, yeah, we talked about it at the beginning of the episode, so this is what he actually said uh, in that game. It wasn't much, but I wanted to get a fucking penalty against Nashville early. So, yeah, your thoughts on that, Joe. Obviously, we talked about it at the top of the episode, but just quick thoughts again. Yeah, so, again, it's just an unfortunate situation because this stuff always happens in the NHL. Again, it's basically it was a hot mic. He got caught saying something that they probably think about all the time when it comes to, like, mm-hmm. these like these bad calls. Essentially, it's like, oh, I wanted to give it them. It's, like, kind of premeditated. So, it is what it is. Again, we already talked about it. It just, it's so, it, like, exploded online, which I yeah. found, like, pretty funny. Like, everyone just basically wanted this guy like canned and he basically did get canned and that's what happened so yeah we can move on to the battle of the buds we talked about that before uh before at the top of the episode so we can get right into it i had an unreal week this week and you did not have an unreal week this week so i went three and oh and you went one and two and you put in the dock i'm done (laughs) yeah there's no way in hell i'm catching you now i am six games below you which is i basically have to go three and oh the next two weeks and you go oh and three the next week just to catch up so it's done at this point but i'll see if i can make it more respectable this week yeah let us know who you have yeah so i have one the game starts in about an hour or so and that is the sabers at the bruins we already talked about the sabers they're gonna hit 100 losses in a row at this rate (laughs) So they're visiting Boston at home. I mean, this is like a slam dunk for the Bruins, who have been playing okay as of late. Not amazing or anything, but this is a game to kind of get their confidence back on track, especially that top line, who's been a little bit quiet the last few games. So I expect them to have a big game today. And then uh, the Anaheim Ducks visit the dominant Colorado Avalanche on March 29th. I have the Avalanche winning at home. And then on April 1st, I can't believe we're already in April soon. I know. I have the Blue Jackets visiting the Lightning at home, and I have the Lightning winning at home. Yeah, and then for me, I have the Golden Knights at home to the Kings on March 29th. Then I have the Flyers heading into uh, Buffalo. I don't know how they won't win this game, but that's going to be played on March 31st. And then I have a heavyweight tilt, I guess, but we just bashed the Blues. On April 2nd, I have the Avalanche at home to the Blues. I could have picked the uh, the Blues here because they needed to go on a run desperately, but the Colorado Avalanche has been just way too good enough for the Blues, so I'll take them there. My record is 25-8, and eight, and Joe's is 19-14, and 14, so got a couple games to get up. Like you said, 3-0 and oh for you, 0-3 oh for me you need, so. Yep. Um, do you have a Joe Spice Meatball? That's our next segment. I assure you do. I, I, I do. Okay. All right, and it has something to do with the trade deadline. So my spicy meatball prediction is that this will be the 
We just saw the NBA trade deadline be the the most active actually in 35 years. That's weird. It is really weird. It all happened on the same day. All all the trades happened on on Thursday, basically. So, unfortunately, (laughs) the NHL will not see the same sort of action this upcoming trade deadline. This will be a buyer's-only market, and it's only going to be teams that think they have a shot going to the play, a long playoff run or a legit shot at the cup. So my basically my prediction is this will be one of the worst trade deadlines in recent memory. I'm going to go ahead and say yes. I mean, you just look at the buildup. I know we just reduced, Canada just reduced 14 to 7 days, but is that really going to make a difference? Probably not. <laughs> so I'm going to say yes, it's going to be one of the worst. Just in terms of, like, dude, the day's already long to begin with when there's no COVID. Like, yeah. It's from 8 to 3 p.m. The guys on TSN and sports don't have to do this. And now they have to do it in a year where there might not be any trades. That's going to be rough, dude. Oh, should just take a hike home and playing well with Hank and freaking other cat. Yeah, I, honestly, unless there's like a, more than just a Harvey's drop-off at lunch, <laughs> he might be heading out early. Yeah, we're, we're in store for a boring trade deadline. There may be some good trades, but... I don't think there's going to be trade after trade after trade after trade. And there's usually not any more, actually. It's just, just all piles in at 3 o'clock. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see. I, I don't I don't see it being any good. But, yeah, I guess we'll kind of keep tabs on that, obviously. We're keeping tabs on that the trade deadline for the next couple of weeks. So, However, I do hope we are both wrong in this. Yeah. Well. I would love to see some action. But, again, <laughs> like you said, the whole COVID thing. Um, there's just, I don't, I think it's just a buyer's market. Like, I don't think we're going to see like a bunch of bubble teams, like teams kind of already know what they are at this point. There's only about 25 or so games left of the regular season. And by the time the actual deadline comes, there'll be about 15 or so. So again, this is only teams that I think have legit playoff spots instead of bubble teams kind of making moves. Like we saw like last year when, uh, the Sabres who were kind of there, Traded for Wayne Simmons, if you remember that one. Yep. And they just missed out on the 2014 return to play. So we could, I don't think we'll see any of trades like that, for example. Yeah, if we do, though, it's going to be like very, very small. Yeah. Like it might be teams like in the Central, like maybe a Chicago or Columbus who are kind of both fighting for that fourth spot. Right. In the Central, I could see making a move or someone in the East, like the Flyers, if they desperately need a, <laughs> like a push or something, so... Yeah, that's uh, my spicy meatball for this week. Not too spicy, but I I hope we are wrong. So the point of these meatballs are are hoping that stuff kind of (laughs) happens. So hopefully the opposite happens for this one. Yes, 100% hope it does. (laughs) Um, So we go to last words of the episode. You have some articles out soon. And uh, obviously the power rankings are out every week. So let us know who might be moving up or moving down. Give us a sneak peek. All right, so we talked about Washington. Now they've been on a heater, Colorado. So I will give a sneak preview of the top three right now. And it will be most likely the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Colorado Avalanche, and the Washington Capitals in the top three. But maybe not in that specific order. We will see a lot of movement in the top ten because there's some teams that will be moving down. I can't say who yet. You have to (laughs) tune in to find out early next week when it's released. But I will spoil that top three of the lightning the capitals and avalanche all right yeah i like those i like those they've been on heaters so (laughs) give credit where credit's due um for me just keep looking at the articles top three fantasy players every monday 
And then as we gear uh, down to the trade deadline, there's going to be trade articles where players are going to go, what teams are buying, what teams are selling. So keep tabs on that on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, wherever you see it, on thebreakdownsports.com. You have anything else to add before we sign off on end-to-end on this Saturday morning? Uh, not much, man. Just hopefully some get some trades going in the North Division because the quarantine. <laughs> I think the Leafs are going to do something big. We didn't mention this, but they just recalled uh, Timothy Lilligren and Nick Robertson from the to the taxi squad, creating some cap flexibility. So we'll see where that leads. Hopefully it doesn't happen today right after we record, but <laughs> I think a move is coming just because of that big week quarantine difference. So Yeah, it doesn't matter. We'll still talk about it when end-to-end is back. Next Saturday. Join us in the next one.